right, let's look to the Word of God together tonight, the book of Jude. Let's back up and start reading in verse 17, and we'll read down through the passage. Our verse tonight is verse 22. It's a familiar verse. Pray the Lord will work it in our hearts. Jude, verse 17, the Bible says, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Verse number 22, you've heard it so many times, I would imagine, and also heard many messages on it. It says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Before I get into the message, I just want to say how how these fake Bibles butcher the Bible so much is just... Now, you, you don't need to study all the false Bible. You just need to study the right one. But as, as a pastor, when I'm studying, and I, I just, I'm just reminded of all of this mess. You know, somebody told me that uh, I, I was talking, I was out of town preaching, and a guy told me, he said, you know, I, the Bible I have, I have because it's more understandable. Matter of fact, we had that just not too long ago, a few weeks ago here at church. We had a dear lady that had a different version, and she she talked to me after the service and and uh, and she said I can just understand it more and I tried to tell her I said well here's the thing it doesn't matter if you understand it better if you're understanding the wrong thing you see so we went back and we got our King James Bible and gave it to her and she was very thankful for that and and she came again this morning we appreciate that but uh, just look at that verse just a minute and I'll show you we we're not making this thing up we're not just uh, you know, beating a drum about something that's not real, though we don't, we don't defend the Bible every message and make an issue of the King James Bible. We believe it, we preach it, we, we receive it. But look at verse 22, and of some have compassion making a difference. Now look at those words and think about, about these other versions, the NIV, the NASB, the CEV, the ESV. It says this in this verse, be merciful to those who doubt. You think that's a little different? First of all, I don't see any doubt in the verse. And really, doubt is a sin, and be merciful to those who doubt. No, no, that's not what it says. The Revised Standard Version said, and convince some who doubt. That's, that's not what it says. And here's the one that, that's really, really amazing. The Living Bible says, try to help those who argue against you. Do y'all get that out of the verse? Now, that's easy to understand that sentence. It's just that what, that's not what God said. 
Try to help those who are against you. Be merciful to those who doubt. So I, I, I'm glad I have a Bible that has the right words in it. And of some have compassion making a difference. Now, I'm going to preach it this way too, and it's all right to do that. We've also, we've, we've so many times taken this verse and said, and preached like this. Compassion makes a difference. And that's true. And I'll even probably go there. But this little phrase, making a difference, is not talking about what compassion does. It's talking about making a difference in how you deal with people. In other words, you're not supposed to deal with everybody the same. Look at the verse again. And of some, notice it didn't say all, it says some. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Now, I'm not going to preach in verse 23 tonight. We'll save that. But there is a difference between how we deal with people, whether we deal with them in compassion or we deal with them in fear. You see that? Some... We deal with compassion. Others, we deal with them in the fear of God, showing them the fire that they are headed to. Do you see the difference? So that's really what he's talking about, making a difference. We have got to be wise enough and smart enough and spiritual enough in this day and age in which we live that we're not dealing with everybody the same, but we are making a difference to what this person in this day of apostasy, how they need to be dealt with. Some people need to be dealt with very tenderly. Jesus even said, a bruised reed shall he not break. In other words, when Jesus came to a bruised individual, he didn't just (laughs) break them. Have you ever read, sometimes I don't know if, if we really study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, how the Lord Jesus didn't deal with everybody the same. I mean, Jesus was so gentle with people, and then he, you read another chapter, and he's rough with them. You say, well, what gives? He's Jesus. He knows how to make a difference in dealing with people. I would say this even about your children when you deal with your children. You can't deal with them all the same. You need to make a difference in how you deal with them. Sometimes you need to deal with them tenderly. Sometimes you need to deal with them a little more severely. You know, sometimes we, some of us would have the tendency to do one or the other. You know, some of us have the tendency just to deal with all people compassionately. That, that almost sounds strange, doesn't it? But it doesn't say, have compassion toward everyone. That's not what it says. It says, and of some. Some of us have the tendency, we just always tender with our children. I think you need to be that. I think that's important. But that's not the only way you're supposed to deal with your children. That's not the only way you're supposed to deal with people. And then some people have the tendency to deal severely with everybody. I mean, it's fire. It's hell, fire, brimstone, crackle, sizzle. It's the whip. Jesus did bring in the whip. But aren't you glad he didn't bring it in every Sunday? 
or every Saturday. You know it takes the fullness of the Spirit of God to make a difference to know how I am to deal with people. To know who should get the compassion and who needs to get the fire. Guys, we've got to have both. We do have to have both. I mean, what made a difference, and this is what I'll say, and this is what I'm going to use this making a difference. Compassion will make a difference in some people, and the fear and the fire will make a difference in some other people. The judgment and the wrath will make a difference in some, while, while the love and the tears will make a difference in somebody else. Jesus, when He dealt with the woman at the well, He did not deal with her as he dealt with Nicodemus. He was so so tender and gentle with that woman. He just started a conversation. Could I have something to drink? You know how some by believing independent, amen, fundamental, King James Baptist, they just go straight. Woman, you're going to go to hell. Everybody knows you're a whore. Right? That ain't the way he dealt with her. He said, could I have something to drink? He just started a conversation with her. And he, uh, he did get to her sin, but he did it so gently. Nicodemus, on the other hand, that's a whole different story. He looked straight at his eyeballs and said, you don't get born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Just blew him out of the water. Nicodemus said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, you mean you're a master in Israel and you don't know what I'm talking about? That's pretty rough. How, how, how long have you been studying the Bible and you don't know what I'm talking about? He's pretty rough with that old boy. He, he also came at night. One was a female, one was a male. One was in the daytime there. And one, one was coming at night. I mean, he, he knew how to deal with people. He not only told Nicodemus about the great verse in John 3.15 and John 3.16 about if you believe in him, he said, you should not perish. He starts talking to him about perishing. He talked to that woman at the well about how to worship. <laughs> he was talking with Nicodemus about perishing. He was talking to Nicodemus about being condemned. Already he's condemned. Re- re- read that after John 3.16. I mean, he's pretty rough on Nicodemus. May God help us to know when to be tender and when to be serious and when to let the judgment fall. I tell you, as a kid, man, I, I saw the, some of the judgment fall. I saw, I, man, I saw the pulpit pounded and the fire come down and felt like I was burning in hell right there. Needed that. America was a better country when we had that. But we still need the tenderness and we need the compassion. We've got to have both. You've got to have both in your life. And you've got to make a difference and know the difference of how God is wanting, whether it's the choice of soul winning or whether it's the choice of dealing with people in your own home. We've got to be led of the Spirit to know whether to bring the fire or whether we need to bring the compassion. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you just as much as I'm standing here. Everybody in here has a tendency to go one way or the other. i never forget. I was reminded I preached a meeting in South Carolina and two ladies started talking to me and they, they, were, they were giving testimony. I said, do you remember when you witnessed to our daddy? 
I, I got great news. Brother, by the way, I should tell you, Brother Joe Camilleri's dad just died. He was 89 years old, Roman Catholic all his life. Joe had been witnessing to him for 30 plus years. And he just Catholic, you know, just no and no and no. I got my religion. He calls Joe up and said, come over to the house, I'm dying. He got over to the house, he said, I need you to show me how to get saved. <laughs> he, he went through the plan of salvation again with his dad. He said, my dad started crying out to God. He said the neighbors could have heard him. Got saved. He's dead in 48 hours. Isn't that the wonderful grace and mercy of God? I was telling, sharing that story and these two ladies that were there said, Preacher, do you remember him when you witnessed, witnessed to our dad? I said, oh yeah. So said, we were mad at you. See, I was like in my 20s. Much nicer than I am today. <laughs> and everybody and their brother had tried to witness to Mr. Steffi. His wife was a godly woman. Oh, she was a godly praying woman. His children were faithful and all saved. But he, he wouldn't darken the church. The most moral man you could ever dream of in your life. Give his shirt off. But he, he didn't need to be saved, you know. Didn't need Jesus. I was in the house one day and I saw a preacher get down on his hands and knees. Listen to me. Get down on his hands and knees. And that preacher had tears rolling down his eyes of compassion, begging this man to trust Christ. And he just said, not, not now, no, no, not now. The man got cancer. He got real bad cancer. They had to take his colon out and stuff, and it spread in his body. He, only, he didn't have long to live. And I saw him in the hospital, and he was in terrible pain excruciating pain. His daughters were there. They were, they were giving him stuff for pain. And I looked at that man and I said, Mr. Steffi, you think you're hurting now, but when you wake up in hell in torments, this pain will be nothing like that pain. He got mad. His daughters got mad. I left. His daughters were crying. They said, you remember that preacher? I said, yeah, I remember that. I said, I probably was a little too harsh. They said, oh, no. He couldn't get that out of his mind. <laughs> couldn't get it out of his mind. And before he died, he called out to Jesus Christ and was gloriously saved. It's not always how we think it should go, you see. It's not always our tendency. And if some have compassion making a difference in others, well, we know the difference of how to deal with people in this generation. I do want to take my text because that's where we are in verse 22, and I, I want to talk to you about compassion. He said, and if some have compassion making a difference, I will say this. It's first in order. That probably would be the first approach. Would that make sense? 
It probably would be smart to approach people to win them and to save them. And by the way, I don't even think this saving is necessarily saving from hell. I think it fits in the context. But as I look at it, compassion, if you study the word compassion in the Bible, usually it's a reference to the brethren. Do you know we not only, it says in verse 23, others save. You say, preacher, it says save. Amen. Some people need to be saved from hell. And I believe that. I believe it's, it's applicable. But you know what this book is about? This book is about apostasy. This book is about people falling away. This book is about people leaving God. How are we going to save people from the perilous time? It's the same way. We've got to show them compassion and we also have to show them the, the fear that, that, that comes with that as well. You say, what about the fire? Guys, don't forget, there's fire at the judgment seat. I said, there's fire at the judgment seat. Have you read about it? It's not hell fire. We're not, the saved are never going to be damned, but there's fire there. Our works are going to be judged by that. But I would say the first way, the first way to deal with people would be compassion. Not always, but I'd say that that'd be a good approach. Try to love them in. Love goes a long way, doesn't it? Compassion goes a long way. Showing people you care. As it's been said, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's true. Watch Romans chapter 2, how God tries to win over people. God himself, when he tries to woo our hearts, he uses the same thing as he tells us here in the book of Jude, to win our hearts over. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, In verse number 4, despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I see compassion there. I see compassion in God's forbearance. And I see compassion in God's long-sufferingness. And I, I see compassion in God being good to people that don't deserve Him to be good to them. I, I see a lot of compassion there. But we're trying to get everybody to the place of repentance. We're not just trying to, to have an emotional feel-good show. We're trying the goodness of God, the compassions of God should motivate us to repent, you see. It's not an end-all, get-all. It's, it's trying to get us to repentance. And the previous verse talks about the judgment of God. And the, and the verse after that, verse 5, talks about the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. God tries to woo our hearts with His goodness, and He tries to woo our hearts with His judgment. He does both of them. But compassion... If we, if, we, if we really want to make a difference in some people's lives, we've got to care more. We really do. In Psalm 126, great psalm. Great psalm about reaching people. Guys, we've got a lot of people who need to be reached. We've got sons and daughters and relatives and neighbors and strangers. 
And for some of them, only compassion is going to reach them. Because you know what most people know? They know nobody really cares about them. Even the people they party with, they know those people don't care about them. They just, they're, just, they're having a good time with them. They're getting something out of them. Most people know that nobody really cares about them. That's why he said in Psalm 126 in verse number 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, there's your, there's your compassion, bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Tears in the eyes. Weeping in the heart, showing somebody that you're, you have a tender heart toward them. I, I think all of us, we'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the other sermon later, but, but this is the sermon for tonight. I think all of us could use a bigger dose of caring a little more. Weep or the erring one, isn't that what it says? You know, we sing so many things we don't do. Weep or the erring one, lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Well, if, if we do it with a compassionate heart. So here, here's, here's my question. I, I've got like five things down here on the piece of paper. Why do I not have compassion? Is that a good question? Why do I not have more compassion? The first reason, I believe, we can see in the context of the book that we've been preaching to, preaching in, all of this perversion in our society, all of this apostasy, all of this Sodom and Gomorrah, all of this wickedness and sin, you know what it does? It dulls our hearts. It not only dulls our hearts toward God, that's why he tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God, it dulls our hearts toward one another. The more you live and the more you learn people, the more you don't want to have compassion over them. You've been hurt too many times. You've been disappointed. There is something about apostasy that causes us not to care anymore. We see the mixed up, degraded world and we, we don't have anything to do with that, let alone cry over it. And God says, listen, you're living in a terrible day, apostasy. So you know what you need to do? You need to remember that you still need to have compassion. You need to have compassion over that one that's tattooed up and the one that's got green hair. And the one that has no decency about themselves or their dress or their speech. I'm just saying it's hard. It is, it is easy not to have compassion on the crowd we have to live with. Would you not agree? So we have to work overtime saying, God, help my heart. I need compassion. Because it's real, hard. it's real easy for me to say, I just don't care. I'm not interested. They're all going to hell. Let them go to hell. They deserve to go to hell. Only thing wrong with that is so do I. So do you. I think our age causes us to lose our compassion. And not again, not just with uh, lost people. You know, we ought to have compassion for one another. But you know why sometimes we don't have compassion for each other? We've already traveled that road before and we've watched how 
when I open my heart and I make myself vulnerable and I help somebody, so many times I get stabbed right in the back. And that's happened one too many times, so I don't think I'm going to care as much anymore. Is anybody with me? That's the temptation. Guys, the people that I, in, my, in, in 30 years of ministry, our church has helped the most are the people that have hurt us the most. And so then pretty soon you say, man, I'm just not going. It's like all these guys, you know, coming to church and asking for money, you know. Well, I mean, when I was a young preacher, I was, I was helping everybody out because, you know, yeah, I want to hear some money. And then, you know, they go around the corner and they buy a six-pack of beer or you help people enough and get burned enough. You know what you say? I ain't helping nobody else. We had a guy come here the other day. He came in and he said, trying to get to wherever he was trying to get to. He said, I don't have any gas. He said, but I'm saved. And I'm going to sit in church and hear the preaching. But if you could help me, I'd appreciate it. Can I confess my fault to you? Well, that's my litmus test. You know, I didn't tell him that. But number one, if you can't stay for church, you don't really want help. I mean, really. You know, even at the rescue mission, they make you hear the message before you can get eat, get to eat. <laughs> and this guy, he said he'd stay for church. I said, all right. But in my heart, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you guys, I've been burned so many times. I know the story. I know how it goes. But he sat there. He went through church. I don't know if some of you may remember him. Big guy. After church, I told Brother Gibson, go, go fill his car up with gas, put some oil in it. Not to. You say, a preacher? That may have all been a scam, maybe. But you know what? I still need compassion. Now, the next five guys that come, I may not do anything for them. I may, I may pull the fire out. Guys, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you just as well as I'm standing here tonight. We have a tendency to shut down because we've seen too much in life. And God says, don't forget compassion in the day that you live in. As a matter of fact, hold your finger here. Go to, let me show you the first time the word compassion is found in the Bible. All the way back in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 2, the very first time the word compassion is used in the Scripture. This is Moses' mom putting him in the river. And that little ark of bulrushes sends him down through the river. Verse number 5 says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. I never saw that before. You know, even the wicked Egyptians knew that only the maidens should be down there when women are taking a bath. That's just free. It's just good that we say that every now and then. 
These are lost people. These are people that don't know God. But they have some sense of morality. Walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. That is an amazing verse. You know what she should have done? She should have took that baby to her dad and said, here's another one to kill, daddy. This is the enemy. These are the male children that you want dead. What I'm trying to say is there was no reason for her to have compassion. I know womanhood and I know the baby and all that stuff. But you've got to understand this is the enemy. And she knows it's the enemy. And yet she has compassion on the enemy. You know, there's something about having compassion on people that really don't deserve it. And maybe that's why we can't have compassion sometimes because in this day we just think no one deserves our tears, no one deserves our heart. I'm glad the Bible says that our high priest, amen, he has compassion on the ignorant. <laughs> what a verse in Hebrews chapter 5. I have a hard time having compassion on the ignorant people and lazy people. Yeah. Boy, I'm glad God's not like me. So why? Why, why don't I care more? Why, why, why don't I not have any tears? Why, why do I not weep over the erring, erring one? Why do I not have more compassion? Well, it's, it's the day you live in is wearing on you. But then secondly, go to Ephesians chapter 4. There's another reason that we don't have compassion in our lives like we ought to have compassion. And that is we're carnal. Carnal people can't be compassionate. Because it's all about themselves and it's all about the flesh. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 17, if you would look with me, he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. And he says, I want you people that are saved, don't you walk like a Gentile. Well, what does that mean? Well, they walk in the vanity of their mind. Verse number 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. But I want you to look at verse 19. Here's how Gentiles walk, who being past what? Feeling. You know what's true about Gentiles? They, they don't have real feelings. They can't feel what sin does to them. They can't feel what their sin does to God. They can't feel what their sin does to other people. Their feelings are seared. There's a cruelness in people that are lost. There's a coldness. There's a callousness. How can people do what they do in our society? Because they have no feeling. Is that not right? There's no sensitivity there. There's no tenderness there. Now this is what God says to us. Don't you walk like that. Don't ever get to the point where you can't feel anymore. 
And the reason that the, that the Gentiles are past feeling is because that they're carnal. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness and there's something about sin that hardens our hearts and makes us cold and callous and the uncleanness of our lives just makes us not care. And so when we as saved people get carnal, we don't care either. And we don't feel like we used to because instead of being full of compassion, I'm full of carnality. And if I'm full of carnality, I can't be compassionate. Guys, if we're not full of God, we, can't, we will not be compassionate to anybody. Because compassion is a characteristic of God. Over and over the Bible says that God is full of compassion. Well, if I am godly, if I'm like God, then I will be full of compassion. So the reason that I'm not full of compassion is because I'm not full of God. I'm full of carnality. God's not showing himself through my life. My flesh is. You remember... When God gives those illustrations about himself. Remember the story in Luke 10 of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is telling a story about himself, you see. He's the Good Samaritan. And they hated Samaritans. (laughs) Those Jews, they couldn't stand Samaritans. Excuse my language, but they were the half-breeds. They just could not stand the Samaritans. And Jesus on purpose said, All right, here's a guy fell among thieves. He's in the ditch. He's about to die. And the people that should care didn't care. The priest didn't care. Levite didn't care. And here comes a Samaritan, the one that you don't like, the one that you look down your nose. Here comes a Samaritan, and yet he cared. Jesus is letting us know how much he cared about us in the ditch. And so the question is, how much like Jesus am I? You remember the other story? God paints a picture of himself with that prodigal son, does he not? And that prodigal, he takes his father's goods, he wastes half of it. I tell you what, if there's a man in here and your boy wasted half your goods, you probably have a hard time being compassionate on him. Come on now. Especially if he'd been living with harlots. And said, I don't have anything to do with you again, Daddy. Thanks for the money. And yet as soon as that father... Saw that boy coming home. Said he saw him afar off and he had compassion on him. In spite of how he wasted his inheritance, in spite of how he hurt the family name, in spite of how he wounded his father by the way he lived, the father looked out there and said, I got compassion on that boy. That's God. To preach you, why don't I have more tears? Because I'm not full of God like that. I may be full of a lot of things, but I'm not full of the Lord in that way. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. We would all be consumed in a moment if it was not for a compassionate God. Why do I not have the compassion that I need to have in this generation? Because of all the perversion, because I'm too carnal. I'll give you a third reason. Because it's not natural. Can I tell you something? If you're crying all the time, there's something wrong with you. Is that okay to say? 
If you're crying all the time, you, you, you've got an emotional or a mental problem. I mean, I mean that, that's a clinical fact. If somebody, if all they do is cry, it's not a natural thing to do. We're not made up to cry that much. I mean, even look at some people devil possessed in the Bible and look how much they're crying. There's something about sanity that makes an even kill. I mean, guys, if you're working your job, guys, if you're crying all the time, your boss is going to fire you. You can't cry all the time and work your job. He comes, what are you doing? Well, I'm just broken over people. It's not natural to have. And so, because of the way we're made up, and because of our humanity, it's just not natural for us to have tears. It really isn't. It's a God thing. It's something God has to do in our hearts. This is what I say. We, we don't have compassion because it's really not natural to be broken hearted, especially over people that you don't even know. Or people that don't deserve it. So this is what we got to do. We've got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you give me tears when I need them? Would you break my heart? Would you give me compassion? Would you help me to care? Because it's just not natural for me to do that. I think we need to pray for compassion. You know... I can't make myself cry. I can't do that. We, we got a bus kid back here that can do that. <laughs> Brother Gibson, I mean, he, he can cry on a dime. Th- th- these actors and actresses, amen, unless they get onions out and they can cry on a dime, there's something wrong with those people. I, I don't understand that. It's not natural. I can't make myself cry and be compassionate or something. But you know what I need to do? I need to ask God to give that to me. Now, there are these some people that do it, you know, it's not, it's fake, it's not even real. You know, all that mourning, you know, that they're doing for people over there in the Bible for 40 days, you know, they pay a lot of those people. <laughs> they're paid mourners. You remember Jesus coming there and, and they're all weeping and wailing and crying and stuff, and Jesus said, Y'all get out. <laughs> you're, not, you're not helping anything, get out. And he walks in there, amen, and raises that girl from the dead. There's a lot of tears that are fakes, what I'm trying to say. And I'm not into that. And if you can manipulate that, God help you. I don't know if you've ever had a, a sincere thing ever in your heart. But I tell you what, there's something about when I get before God and I get before others and God breaks my heart and the tears come and I say, God, I know that's you, because that ain't me. That ain't natural. Maybe we need to pray for that. Maybe you're maybe you're a maybe you're a husband or a father, and you 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 you're you're you know you're a strong man and all that, and you know it, it's not natural for you to have all that type of compassion and tenderness. You know, you leave that to the women folk. But I'm telling you what, the, you, you, people need it, and your family needs it. Maybe you need to pray for it. The fourth reason that we don't care and we don't have compassion like we should. Listen, it's because we're too busy 
crying over our own failures. And we have no tears left for others. You know, there's only so much emotional investment that you can make (laughs) until it's just over the top. All these people, you know, that watch all these movies and they cry and these soap operas and they cry about people. And they're watching these things and they're crying over this. And then they have no emotion for God because they've all poured it out on stuff that isn't even real. You know how many people cry at movies? I'm talking about ball. I'm talking about just... And it isn't real. And somebody died. No, that is an actor. That's an actress. They didn't die. Well, yeah, but it's a story and my heart was... It's not real. We got people that sit and watch movies and cry and cry and they can never shed a tear over somebody on their way to hell. And they can't look at somebody that's in danger and they cannot care enough because they've wasted all of their tears on something that's not even real. Now, if you're like this, I, you know, it's okay. I'm just, I know I'm weird, but I don't get this crying over pets. I, I, I'm... Guys, I have enough time crying over people. I ain't crying over an animal. There are people that have more emotional investment in an animal than they do people. You only have so much emotion you can give. Won't you give it to people that need it? And then you know what we do with a lot of our emotion and tears? I'm crying over my hurts and my pains. and my, Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If all we do, if all we are is brokenhearted over our own plights, we will never be able to have compassion for someone else. That's why one of the greatest ministries for people even people that are hurting, is to go to the nursing home. Go to the cancer ward. I said, preacher, why would you send somebody that's hurting there? Because it helps you see somebody else's pain. And when all we see is our own pain, we just tend not to have compassion over others because we're so consumed with our own problems. And I'm not saying we don't have problems, but at the end of the day, guys, we need compassion over other people's needs of their hearts. And if I'm consumed with my own, I can't have compassion on somebody else. Because I ain't worried about your problem. I'm worried about my problem. Does that make sense? I don't care how much you need God. I need God. <laughs> okay, you need, you need to be saved. Well, big deal. I've got a problem. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And it's easy to do. I'm just giving you reasons why we don't have the compassion. And then go to Matthew chapter 9. I think this is a biblical reason. This is the last Reason I think that we don't have the compassion that we need. So this is what I'm trying to say. And of some have compassion. But you can't have it on those some if the compassion isn't already in there. Okay, he doesn't want you to show that to everybody all the time. But if it's not there, you can never show it to anybody any of the time. 
Matthew chapter 9, why do we not have compassion? Great missionary text of the Lord Jesus. The Bible said in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had compassion. He was mo- Look at it now. He was moved with compassion when he saw. When he looked at the fainting of the multitude, when he saw the need of their heart, he was moved in his heart with compassion as he looked upon their plight. I think a lot of times we don't have compassion because we're never looking at the field. We're never looking at others' plight. we're We're not interested enough to be observant. These people were fainting. Look at Matthew chapter 14. There's a different thing about every time you find Jesus having compassion, you'll find he saw something different that moved his heart. Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says in verse 14, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. He saw their sickness, and it touched his heart. You know, when you see somebody sick, does that, does that touch your heart? When you see somebody in pain, do, do we just glance over that? I think, you know, that's why people don't like to go to hospitals. and We don't like to look at all that. I mean, I don't. I mean, my father sits there and watches, you know, all those old shows and stuff, and here come these commercials about Shriners or St. Jude's, and they'll put all these people sick. I don't want to see that. Am I the only one? I don't want to see that pain. My life is better if I don't have to see the suffering of a child. So you know what we do? Click it off. So my heart's not affected. And the Lord says, you know what? You do need your heart affected. And you do need to look on those that are sick and those that are afflicted. When Jesus saw the leper, He saw the leper, He was moved with compassion on the leper. Mark chapter 1 verse 41. In Mark chapter 15, or Matthew chapter 15, go over one other text. Here's a whole, whole, whole different thing. Matthew 15 verse 32. Then Jesus called His disciples unto Him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because, watch it, because they continue with Me now three days and have nothing to eat. You know what he said? I'm looking out here, and these these people are hungry. Does it bother you if you have a full meal and here's somebody that hadn't eaten for three days? One of the things that grabbed my heart the most, I went down into Haiti. Good night. I saw little kids with their bellies swollen, not because they were fat, because they hadn't, they're starving of malnutrition. I tell you what, man, I I was crying like a baby. I, I said, Good night, Lord. I got more food than I eat. I'm fat and I'm out here and all these kids are starving to death. It grabbed hold of my heart, man. But you know what? We don't want to see that. We don't want to think about that. We want to insulate ourselves so we don't have to see the needs of others. 
Guys, I don't even I don't even like to look at animals that are hungry. I get a kick out of feeding animals. Well, not that big of a kick, but I mean, <laughs> when I had a dog, you know, I I loved I I, I loved to see meat. There's just something about somebody that's starving. Because we, we've got people starving, not just physical poverty, but they're starving for God. They're starving for peace. They're starving for, for, for forgiveness, and they don't know how to find it. God says, I tell you what, when Jesus looked on that and he saw that, he was moved with compassion. In Mark chapter 5, verse 19, there was a maniac there. He was, a guy, he was full of the devil. And Jesus had compassion on him. When he saw his need, he saw that the devil was totally destroying his life. And you know what Jesus said when he cast the devils out of that man? He said, I want you to go home and tell your friends how the Lord had great compassion on you. Because I couldn't just sit there and watch the devil do that to you, and you're in all that bondage. And it not touch my heart. You know, we've got a good church. And when we see somebody in our church hurting, we hurt. And when we see somebody in our church that's weeping, we, we weep with them. I was at a church Friday night preaching in Birmingham. I didn't know this girl from Adam. I got through preaching a message, and people came to the altar, and there's a teenage girl. She's about 16 years old. I don't know what's going on with that girl. But she wept and cried and poured her soul out to God. And I sat there and watched that. The tears just started coming down my eyes. It's, it's easier to have compassion on people when you see their brokenness. What I'm trying to tell you, we don't have compassion a lot of times because we insulate our lives to where we never have to look on the problem. I guarantee you, you guys going out to the Navajo Reservation, they'll take you some places. You're going to have to have an awful cold heart not to come back with a little bit more compassion. Why don't I have more compassion? I'm not looking at the need. I'm not looking at the broken pain or the loneliness. Jesus saw that woman whose son died, and he saw her weeping over the death of her child. The Bible said he was moved with compassion on her and touched the beer, the buyer, and raised the boy from the dead. There are people out there that are lonely. There are people out there that are unloved. There are people out there that are unsaved. There are people out there that are untaught. There are people out there that are unchurched. There are people out there that have no Bible, that have no preacher. There are people out there that sin has totally destroyed the last bit of hope in their soul. And God says, don't you care?